Uh, well, uh, again, good morning. Uh, great to see y'all. Um, it's uh, a really exciting day for us here at Apostles. We're going to take a pause on our Ephesians series uh, because we have the joy of having our good friend and brother in Christ, uh, John Henson, with us this morning. So would y'all give John a warm welcome? Um, as many of you know, uh, John uh, served as an associate here uh, at Apostles for a number of years, and just recently this past fall, um, felt the Lord's call to go and begin a new ministry, plant a new church uh, called the Gathering Church in Richmond, Texas, so just down the road. And so uh, I'm excited that John has come back and is going to uh, share God's word with us, but also give us an update on some of the exciting things that God has been doing with the Gathering Church. Um, and so I just want to pray for John. Uh, and then uh, and we'll hear from him. So, Lord God, we give you thanks and praise uh, for John and for Mazan and their family. Lord, we thank you for the new work that you're doing um, in Richmond. Uh, Lord, that you are beginning a new work, and it's by the power of your spirit, and it's for the proclamation of your gospel, and it's that many might come to faith in Jesus. So we thank you for the heart that you've given John and Mazan and those who are planting with him. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you would speak to him, encourage us, challenge us, point us to Jesus. Lord, we long to hear from you this morning. So would you speak? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you for inviting me to come and, and join our Apostles Houston family again to, to worship together. It's just uh, the joy that, that it is to, that I feel right now to be with you is really pretty overwhelming. Uh, and it's kind of crazy to think that it's both kind of already been and only been four months, really, since we officially moved uh, and were sent out from apostles to go to Richmond. Like time, it kind of flies by in the blink of an eye. Um, and just to think back about the two and a half years that we were here at Apostles Houston, it's just, it's just a joy and part of the testimony that God has been working in our family's life since before we were even born, to prepare us for this new ministry of planting the Gathering Church out in Richmond. Now, church planting, though, was kind of something that was always around me and nipping at my heels. I mean, my dad was a church planting pastor. We planted a couple churches when I was growing up. I was part of one of them as a kid, which meant that I didn't really have a clue what was going on. And then I joined another church plant in 2013 as a part of the staff team in launching that new ministry. Throughout seminary, God just began really breaking our hearts for the fact that there in our city here in Houston, literally millions and millions of people who don't know Jesus, who have no relationship with him, millions of people. And God, over the last 14 years that I've been in ministry, every single year has burdened me more and more to be like, my church has to be going out to share the, my good news because they're lost. Now, I would go on to say then, like, man, yeah, I'd say so. I'd agree with that. And I'd say that our world desperately needs Jesus. In fact, I would be willing to say, I skipped one of my own slides here because I got ahead of myself already because I'm just so excited, um, that the need for Jesus in our world is at an all-time high. Are you feeling me? Would you agree that when we look at the world today, that the need for Jesus is at an all-time high? When I go on Facebook, Instagram, when I read any news story, overhearing conversations that I'm not even a part of, 
The world seems more divisive, more fearful, more self-focused, more angry and more antagonistic with one another than any time that I can remember in my life. And it's, it seems to only be getting worse and worse by the day. Sadly, it feels like Jesus is actually present less in our country sometimes. If we're being completely honest, it can feel like that, right? And that's where church planning starts to come into play into some of this. So I recently did some research on Harris County and Fort Bend County. Harris County, right here where Apostles Houston is, we're in Fort Bend County, all part of the greater Houston area. And this is what I found out, this statistic. There is one church for every 1,650 people. One church for every 1,650 people. And a lot of times, especially down here in like Texas, where land of big churches, churches all over the place, it feels like there's a church on every corner, right? But when people start talking about a thing called church saturation, the fact that there are more churches than there are need for people in that given area, that conversation doesn't even begin we haven't reached church saturation, but you can't even begin it until the t- statistics shows that there's one church for every 1,000 people. Not only that, but in our city where this, this statistic is like this, the divide is getting bigger literally every single week. Over the last almost two decades, the Houston area has been averaging at least 3,000 people moving to the area per week. Let me just say that again. 3,000 people per week coming to the Houston area. To go on top of all this, so the divide is getting bigger now, right? Just by nature, there's more people moving here. And on top of that, Barna, they recently released research saying that over the next 18 months, they're projecting and predicting that one out of five churches, 20% of the churches in our country are going to close their doors permanently over the next 18 months. So when we think and say, man, it seems like Jesus is kind of less and less. There's less of a, of a Christian, a godly, biblical influence in the world. The harsh reality is that it's because that's true in some ways. Statistically speaking, there are more and more people moving to our city right here and fewer and fewer churches to reach them. And that's taking place literally every single week. So that feeling is not just a feeling for us about the brokenness of this world. It's a statistical reality of what's taking place. It makes sense when the church's presence is actually physically less that it feels like the church has less presence. That's reality. And so at the heart of church planning, at the heart of all churches, right, is that God is calling us to be part of his redemption story in this world. Right? And so what, why, why churches exist, why church plant all comes back to the same root, whether you're one year old or a hundred years old, it doesn't matter that we are called to share the transforming love of God with our family, friends, and neighbors from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so to kind of dive into that a little more, I want to, if you have your Bible, ask you to open up to John 20, verse 19. John 20, 19, and we're going to really be camping out and, and, and diving deep into this. And as we're turning there, I just want to kind of catch us up real quick to what's taking place. And so this is after Jesus' death. He's been betrayed by one of his best friends, the men he called, he handpicked. He's been betrayed for money. He's been turned over to the authorities. He's been placed on trial. He's been beaten. 
beaten. He's been mocked. He's been bruised. His skin is literally hanging on to his body. He has been so physically whipped. He's unrecognizable. And then they took him, they took him outside of the city, because you ain't going to kill someone like this in the city, right? They take him outside the city walls and nail him to a tree and leave him to die. And he's, no one's in sight. No one's fighting for him. No one's doing anything. And so what's hap- where are the disciples at this point? Because they sure as heck really aren't right by his side, standing trial with him, right? So he's dead. He's in the grave. Now, we know in the reading that he is resurrected, but he has not appeared to his disciples yet. And that brings us to verse 19, where it says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So all this has taken place, and where are the men he chose? Where are the men that watched him walk on water, that watched him raise someone from the dead, that he called by name, that changed their lives? Where are they? They're locked inside, hiding in a room, scared to death. Now, admittedly so, it can be kind of easy to sit here today and be like, guys, come on, right? We go, come on, y'all saw this. You should be fighting for Jesus. Why aren't you? But if we really take a step back, I would say, admittedly so, I totally understand. Culture was against them. Not just against Jesus, against them. Politics, government, against them. Probably family members. This is like, this isn't just other people against them, trying to capture them, kill them, beat them, all those things. Jesus has chosen, their life is on the line. So when we sit there and talk about them, be like, come on, guys, if we take a step back, we go, man, I understand. That's scary. Because... I think that if we look at our own world today, we could say the same thing, right? It's scary out there. Let's be real here. Culture, is it for Christianity and biblical truth? Politics, government, social media. Do we see unity in Jesus Christ? Is it harder and harder to stand firm for the truth of God in this world? I'd say it sure is, and it's getting worse. It's getting harder, and the world's becoming more and more antagonistic. So it's easy, really, in the end, to understand why they would lock themselves inside a room and say, like, hey, let's get with our Christian brothers and sisters over here, and let's lock ourselves in, and let's make, like, let's just survive, right? Let's just make it through this. Kind of a sentiment I think we can understand, given the last year roller coaster we've been on. How do we just get to the next day? But Jesus isn't dead, is he? In fact, Jesus then comes, and on the next verse, continuing in verse 19, it says that Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So before I go to the next, peace be with you, he says, peace be with you. First, uh, that scared the living dog out of you and me, right? If like our friend, we watched him die, he's been dead for a few days now, appears. He doesn't knock. He appears in a room that's locked. Where you've gone for safety, poof, there's Jesus. I mean, that's bigger than anything Harry Potter did for crying out loud. He's just there. 
And he says, peace be with you because I know you've probably shaken in your sandals. Peace be with you because I'm here. I know you're scared. Peace be with you. I'm here. It's me. It's Jesus. Now, he could have stopped there. He could have stopped there and said, all right, now you feel good, you're peaceful, like, all right, now we can just all kind of survive in this locked room together. But he doesn't. He says to them again, peace be with you. And this is what I love about this. This peace be with you isn't like a bookend phrase to be like, hey, peace be with you, I'm here, don't worry because I'm here now, we're okay. He gives them a second peace be with you because of what he's about to say. And what he's about to say is this, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Peace be with you. May you have peace because I'm here. And then again, peace be with you. Get out of this locked room. Go. Stop being afraid. Stop being scared. Get out. Go into this world and change it. Now, if anybody knew about the political conditions and the climate of the culture then, it'd be Jesus, right? He literally was just betrayed, beaten, murdered, and killed. Dead, dead, no life, no breath. He knows what can happen. So he knows what he's sending these disciples into. It's not news to them. It's not news to Jesus. He knows. And yet still he sends them out. And he sends them out not because it's safe. The world didn't change. As you continue to read Acts from where we are reading was today in Acts 1, we'll see the world isn't a safer place for these disciples, for these apostles, for those called by Jesus Christ. It's not safe. In fact, he does this. He sends them in peace because the world is hostile towards him. Jesus sends out in peace his disciples because the world has killed him. Because the world, if Jesus sat there and said, here I am, I'm here, they'd say, I don't know who you are. And he's doing that for us. He's sending us out in peace because the world is hostile. So if we sit there and we're like, oh man, do I tell my friend about Jesus? Do I tell my neighbor about Jesus? Yes, because Jesus is sending you out because they don't know him. He's sending us into hostile territory because that hostile territory needs the peace and love and transforming power of Jesus Christ. And they don't have it. They don't know it. And what's even better is, again, Jesus just never stops. He keeps moving forward because he doesn't send these guys out to fend for themselves and say, good luck. I hope you've got your sword training, got your spears ready. I hope you've like got everything tied tight so you can run. It's not what he, he doesn't say good luck. He continues on in verse 22, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the power from on high. Jesus in this moment literally breathes new life into his disciples. He literally breathes his presence into them. He gives them the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, you're not going out into this world weak and vulnerable. You're going out with God living inside of you to go and change a world that is lost and hostile and diving at each other's throats. They're literally killing each other, and I want you to go. 
and go in peace and go in power. Because it is not a fear-crippled spirit that we are given. No, what does Paul say to Timothy? For it is not a spirit of fear that God gives us, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. You've been given a power to change the world because it's literally the power of God living inside of you. And so we see in Acts, he can, you know, he expounds on, Luke expounds on this even more and says, hey, you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. He's saying, look, I know there's barriers. I know there's hostility. Man, the Jews and the Samaritans, the reason that the story of the Good Samaritan was so shocking is because you have two camps and two people who hate each other, who would kill each other, who literally are trying to tear down anything religious and holy, anything of worth and value. They can't stand one another. And that's still going on when Jesus comes to his disciples here and sends them out. And he says, those very people that you hate, that hate you, that you're scared of, go and share love of Jesus. Go in peace and power. It doesn't matter what barriers there are. Because Jesus doesn't give us a, a, a you know, subtext here. Well, you know, if you are different races, if you have different political leanings, if you have different uh, upbringings or economic or social whatevers. He doesn't say that. He just says, go and go in power. Because this world needs me. This is the call for the disciples in. This is our call today as well as followers of Jesus. Because in the end, what we see is that this is what it means to be a disciple. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we think that the apex of discipleship, if we think that the goal of spiritual maturity is gathering together with other Christians in locked rooms, honestly, we've missed it. We've missed the boat. Because our growth and maturity as believers means that we are called to leave locked rooms, not to stay in them and not to build them up. We are called to go out into the world, to not self-preserve, but to literally put our life on the line because we have a hope in something greater than this life could ever give. And that's what we share. And so our prayer for our new church family, and this is called the Gathering Church, is that we would be a church family that would leave locked rooms and share the transforming love of God with our family, friends, and neighbors. That through this, through us living into this call to go into the world, that we would literally see transformed lives, transformed families, that we would see communities change and impacted, and that we would plant churches that plant more churches. That's a weird word to say on the fly. The statistics would literally change. What is measured and felt would change completely. It'd be a brand new world because it's a world that follows Jesus. Now, during our short time together so far, God is bringing families from all over the place, which is great. Praise God. Because I really heard in some circles, they're like, man, you're planning a church in a pandemic? Like, you can't even meet in person. I was like, I know it's a super great idea, right? <laughs> Seems so logical. And thank God that he is greater than any of this stuff. 
because he's been at work. And I want to invite now Susie Garcia to come up. So Susie has, uh, is one of our uh, Gathering Church family members. And she's going to come up and just kind of share like what this power of God has done in her life and her family's life. And how being sent out into the world can change the world. So Susie. I am terrified to speak in front of people, so you guys bear with me. But John asked me to do this, and I said, okay. (laughs) So, um, so, um, my short background with Jesus, um, I attended some CCE classes at St. Bartholomew in Katy when I was in elementary and junior high, and that was it. Um, Because of this, I would easily say that I found myself depressed in 2020. After so many things were going wrong, I lost hope that anything would ever go right. I forced myself to see the light at the end of the seemingly never-ending dark tunnel by counting my blessings every single day. I truly felt like everything was closing in on me because everything was going completely opposite of what I had planned. By September of 2020, I wanted to give up because I had nothing left in me to give. To keep it simply, 2020 came, and on top of the stressors of navigating a new life with COVID, we had a huge financial strain, and my husband had a back injury that was relentless in his occupation, and it completely derailed him from being the dad of our four kids. One was our last baby. We were stuck, and our marriage was struggling. I was begging to find something bigger than what was going on here. I needed something stronger than me. It was nearing October as I'm going through this phase, and I'm joined purposely with my angel of a cousin on a few occasions. This girl has a serious connection with God, and she reached out to me about joining her for church. And this wasn't her typical, come to church with me. This time it was different. We were meeting with the Henson family and a few others on a Zoom call during the work week at 8.30 at night. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Since joining John and the Gathering Church, my whole perspective on life has changed. I have seen firsthand how following God's word and how serving him has literally flipped the life I was living. Things have come through for us that were not even a possibility before financially. My husband's back injury has been in a state of remission. We are able to fully enjoy our family and the smallest things have brought us such gratitude. We have gone from a non-existent relationship with Jesus to having our family baptized in the next few months. We are living proof that the sharing the transforming love of God is exactly what we needed to live better and to be better. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. And I mean, isn't God good? Guys, this world seems dark, but there is a light that's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And Jesus told us to share it. And no matter how dark it seems, the beautiful thing about light is that light always wins. Darkness can never stand. God's at work. He's calling us to share that. He's not just calling it. He's sending us out in power to share that. Jesus sends us into a dark and crazy world with supernatural power to shine light into that darkness. Now, like, admittedly, this can seem like super overwhelming and also super vague, right? 
yeah, I want to go. How, where, what do I do? Do I just start like throwing Bibles at people in HEB? What do I do to do this? Well, what we like to do in our, ch- our church family is we like to start first with prayer. And I want to offer just one step today. I'm not going to give you 50 steps, but one step to pray. So this right here is what we call our top five card. So we give this to everybody, any age in our church family, every age. And what this card does is you begin to list the names of people that you know that don't know Jesus, and you begin to pray for them. You pray. And on this side, on, the, on y'all's right, my left, uh, are different verses that can help guide prayer. If you've never prayed for someone to come to know Jesus, hey, there's this list of verses that can help you from the word of God to guide you to pray for those people, your family, your friends, and your neighbors. And then, God willing, the list will continue to grow. And hopefully you need another card, and another card, and another card. But this is just one small way that kind of helps us focus, like practically focus in on how it is that we can be going into the world and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with anybody that God places in our path. It's a way to open our eyes. So maybe for you uh, today, because I, I don't have a bunch of these, I'm not, and I can't like take it off the screen and give it to you, it's to start with a note card. Start with a sticky note. Pull up your notes on, on your cell phone and do something. Write it down. Place it on your fridge. Place it on your background. Do something to begin to visibly write, to tangibly write down and visibly see the people in your life that need to know the good news of Jesus because I promise you that list is greater than we think. In Richmond, the statistics show that 60% of the population, that's over 200,000 people in the small area that we uh, research, over 60% of the people have zero religious affiliation. That's not Christian, that's any religion. 60%, and it grows every single year in a place that grows, is expected to grow by 15% in the next four years. And that's just one part of Houston. It's the same in the Heights, same in, you know, uh, River Oaks, West U, Katy, League City, you name it, Bel Air, it doesn't matter. Throw whatever uh, place in Houston it is, that statistic is doing the same thing. Lost is lost, and we feel it more and more every day. What a blessing it is that God's called us to be part of what he's doing. He's calling us in our deficiencies in our own brokenness. Because our lives, just like Susie's life, is a living testimony to the work, the miraculous work that God can do. And it's not because of our skill, it's because of his goodness and his grace. And we go into the world sharing the good news that Jesus Christ has come. He's defeated sin and death. In Christ we have hope that brokenness, sickness, sorrow, pain, They're not forever. There will one day be a day when there will be no sickness and pain and death and sorrow. There will be rejoicing and praising of the name of Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Joy will be everlasting. My brothers and my sisters, darkness will not stand. Jesus Christ will reign He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have hope and glory everlasting. So where has God placed you? It's going to feel like that. 
one light with a lot of dark souls around. But that light's contagious. Where has God placed you to make a difference in this world? For us, he's called us to Richmond. For you, he's placed you in your job. He's placed you in your family. He's placed you in your community for that reason. Who is he sending you in peace and in power to share the good news of Jesus Christ with? May you be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.